Well, hello, everyone. Today, I get a chance to sit down and talk with my newest friend, Joyce Cool Del Rimpo. Joyce, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Tommy. I'm really excited to be here. Well, Joyce, I've been following you from afar, minister, attorney, speaker. We, you grew up in the Chinese church. You're doing so many different things. Tell me a little bit about yourself and your journey and what you're up to now. Sure. Well, I grew up in Atlanta. Um, I am a child of immigrants um, and Chinese American. Um, I grew up in the Chinese American immigrant church, actually, down in Atlanta. Um, and then I kind of had a very um, circuitous career path. Um, started out as a journalist, uh, broadcast journalism, um, and then switched into law. And then most recently, I went to seminary about eight years ago and um, got an MDiv and um, was a pastor. And now I had a women's ministry called Refuge for Strength. So yeah. I've kind of done a little bit of everything, um, which is why I'm excited to, to be part of what you're doing, Tommy, uh, with marketplace leaders and faith leaders and thinking about faith and work. It's such a um, topic that I've I've wrestled with a lot too in my own journey. Joyce, I, like even your career as a broadcaster and then also with a lawyer, how did all of that prepare you for what you're doing now as a speaker, as an author, talking about working with women, MDiv, all this stuff? How did all of that prepare you to what you're doing now? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, at first, I don't think God wastes anything. And mm -hmm. part of my experience in journalism was that I got to interview people from all walks of life, um, including politicians, and then just how things affected regular day, everyday people. Um, and I think that gave me just um, an understanding more or exposure more of people from all walks of life. Um, from different ethnicities and backgrounds. Um, and then as an attorney, you also meet all yeah. kinds of people um, and have to deal with people in situations where um, they're, they're seeking help. Um, often there's more than legal things that um, they're in need of. Um, and so that just kind of prepares you as a minister to um, kind of just understand human experience um, develop empathy and understanding. Um, and I think people who go straight into pastoring or ministry right out of college, they just haven't had as much life experience yet. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, the spirit and God can work through, through them, of course, um, and ministering, but I think having had more life experience and interactions with, um, people who are going through different things has definitely prepared me more, um, as a minister. Joyce, when you were a little girl, what did you think you were going to do? Like what's broadcasting <laughs> something, your goal, like I'm going to become yeah. a broadcaster and then everything changed after you no, got No, no. I, um, actually my first love was dance, um, believe it or not. Um, and I went to a performing arts high school. Um, I don't know if I thought I could make it professionally as a dancer. That wasn't something that my parents really were like supportive because it's a difficult life. And I was also good at writing. So in high yeah. school, I had a great English teacher and um, started um, writing for the school newspaper. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, this is something that I could do professionally. And so I, I pursued journalism throughout college um, and 
um, really thought that was going to be the path for me. Yeah. Um, yeah but uh, pastoring was not in my imagination because I had not seen mm-hmm. um, anyone who looked like me as an Asian American female correct, um, correct, correct, correct. in ministry, um, maybe besides like children's ministry or campus ministry, that, yeah. that type of thing. So I didn't have an imagination for it. Um you know, I think my mom thought, well, maybe I'll be a pastor's wife because I loved um, church and ministry. And she thought, oh, that that might be something <laughs> Joyce will be one day. She didn't think I would be a pastor. She thought maybe I'd be a pastor's wife. Um, so um, it's it's really been a um, step by step journey um, of God leading me along the way. Yeah. And he gives us little hints, doesn't he? Like, for instance, I was terrible at writing. I was no good at writing. But I, I loved chemistry. I loved history. And that was the one thing I was very good at. But I also loved organizing things. I could take an idea and build it. And I used to do it with all of my toys. And after I was done, I was bored. And I wanted to redo it again. And that whole idea of building things really stuck to me all throughout my life. Yeah. And now look what you're doing, Tommy, in terms of... Um... You know, you're building not only connections with people all over the world in your global ministry, but in terms of building upon, um, you know, what God is doing in the kingdom. And so it's it's taking what I think the Lord gives us experiences um, and it may be in a different field, but we can apply it, um, yeah. kind of the skills we learn in one area into another area. Um, and I think within like kind of being an English major and studying journalism and then with law too, um, I have a love for the word and I've always had a love for the Bible um, and studying the word. And then even as we're, you know, in law school, you're building legal arguments um, or speaking and advocating in court for people. And I just kind of feel like those same skills um, transfer really well into, you know, writing Bible studies that kind of build upon each other or writing sermons and, and explaining what the word means and applying it. So they're they're very similar skills. Um, But I'm really passionate about what I'm doing now because I feel like it meets people um, where they're at, like it's bringing the word of God to people in their context. So, Oh, Joyce, even in terms of your book, hey, look, I'm promoting this right here in the back. I love it. It is... I, I, it's a Bible study that you created, that you wrote, and, and the part that you just uh, said really interested me. Do you approach your breakdown of the scriptures, the exegesis of the scriptures, with the legal mind in terms of how you would do it as you were preparing for a legal court case? Mm, I mean, I don't think of it as like a, an, a, an argument that like you're logically building, but I think that what I think of it in terms of... Um, what is the message you know usually with a legal argument you're bringing like a main there's your strongest points um and i think when i'm looking at the word of god like what is what are the main messages um that you know paul or whoever is writing um is trying to convey to his audience you know and so bringing that out sometimes like um even within general, you have a large story. Like, how, what do you do in terms of what are the main points? What are the things yeah. that you want to convey? Um, that I feel like helps a lot in Bible study because you don't want to go in all these little rabbit trails. Yeah. Um, you want to have a theme. You want to have a message that you're conveying. 
um, and then kind of seeing um, how it's laid out um, and how it flows. Or a lot of times, even in terms of what you're saying is, even in your role as a lawyer, you're looking at different viewpoints. For instance, yes. one of the characters you study was Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Mm-hmm. How do you look at it from the point of view from Jesus? How do you look at it from the point of view of Samaritan women? How do you look at the point of view of the people in the community? The five men that she was married to, the sixth one who doesn't even want to be married to her. What about the apostles who all came and said, whoa, 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 what are you doing? That's the part that I really love, all of the different perspectives that look at it. That's right. And and I think the amazing thing about how Jesus ministers is that, you know, he's ministering to the Samaritan woman, obviously. Um, But through that, he's also teaching the disciples. Um, He's also working through the Samaritan woman and transforming her to bring the message to the the village. So he has a lot of different people that he um, is caring for and ministering to kind of through the same um, the same experience, you know, and I think um, as we are kind of writing, as I'm writing a Bible study or crafting a sermon, you have people who are coming in from different backgrounds, different spiritual backgrounds, and it's sort of like having an eye to like, what are, what are the things that people you're ministering are going through. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And would you say even the Samaritan woman, what was she feeling like? Why did she come at 12 o'clock when she knew that everyone usually comes in the morning? How did she feel having five people who were supposedly her husband who had passed? And we don't exactly know what happened to those five. Mm -hmm. But then the sixth one wants to live with her, but doesn't want to be married to her. So what's her reputation in the village? Why did she even stay in the village? Right. How does that process go through there, your mind? I mean, there are a lot of questions that just are not answered in the text for us. So yeah. there have been scholars who've kind of conjectured about her. Uh, maybe she was an outcast and that's why she was drawing water at noon. But, you know, maybe she wasn't because yeah. the fact that she goes back to the village yeah. Yeah. and tells them, hey, come see a man who's told me everything I I've been through and they believe her like this may be the Messiah. Um, It it shows that she, she has some credibility. Right. And so I think that we just don't have enough information. However, we do know how she responds to Jesus when Jesus Mm -hmm. kind of confronts her about her past, about her marital history um, and so forth. And instead of feeling kind of condemned the Samaritan woman um, feels more drawn to Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. I think one of the things that happens when we feel condemned is that we experience shame and we want to hide and withdraw. Yeah, yeah. And here the Samaritan woman actually feels like her curiosity is piqued by Jesus. Like, who is this man who knows all of these things? Um, and starts to ask more questions. And I think that's um, the thing about how Jesus draws each to himself. Um, yes, he does. He knows everything about us. And yet he also accepts us and loves us right where we're at. And so I think the Samaritan woman felt known, seen and known, um, even in all of her, you know, past history and um, losses and all of those things. She felt seen and known and fully accepted because Jesus yeah. was reaching out to her of all people, you know? So 
And that's so interesting for us. I mean, such a great lesson is how do we continue to make people seen and heard, even though we disagree with them, we disagree with their lifestyle, how they approach, but helping them to say, I see you, I hear you and you're important and I love you, even though we disagree, but these are my feelings I have for you. Yes. And I think that's the thing about like being full of both grace and Ruth and Jesus models that for us so well. Um, it's not that Jesus avoided the truth in his conversation with the Samaritan woman, but he was so full of grace and love. And that's what she felt, you know? And I think people can tell when we're uh, relating with them, whether we see them with eyes of love and acceptance. Yeah. Um, and it's not actually compromising our own convictions when we do that. Um, but we show people, you know, they, um, yeah, it's, it's Jesus is so full of grace. He went to the cross um, for our sins. And so we are totally forgiven and we don't have to hide in shame anymore. And when we treat other people with that same, you know, we're created in the image of God, completely forgiven. Um, and no matter where people are on the journey, yeah. we, um, we love them um, because Jesus has loved us in that way. Now, Joyce, a lot of times for your Bible say when you prepare for all of these, you looked at Mary and Elizabeth, you look at Samaritan women, the bleeding women, the Canaanite women, Martha, all of those things. How do you go about with your study? Do you find yourself reading the passage over and over and over again, making notes and all that stuff? What are some of your tips that you use when you're studying and preparing these studies? Yeah, good question. Um, yes, I meditate on the scripture and just sort of try to... Um, I do. A, I, I, I come at it both kind of academically in terms of like looking at what the original language and the context and the historical background, all of that. But then yeah. I also put that aside and I actually come at it with kind of praying that the Holy Spirit would just mm -hmm. illuminate things that he wants me to illuminate and praying through that. Sometimes I try to put myself in the story in an imaginative way. Um, so I'll try to imagine myself as a character in the story, whether that is putting myself in the shoes of the Samaritan woman or the disciples who are watching the scene from yeah. afar and kind of see, well, what would I be feeling? What would I be thinking? How would I interact with Jesus? It really makes the story come alive um, for me when I just kind of sit with it prayerfully and also kind of in um, a spirit of imagination of what would it be like? Um, yeah. What would it look like to see Jesus's face and, and receive his words? Yeah. You know, I think that's when it can go in a deeper level of how is Jesus speaking to me through this passage? Yeah. Joyce, I've been finding myself the last four, every single year, I'll pick a character or a book. For the last four months, I've been looking at Elijah in 1 Kings 17 and 18. And that's what, even for the first seven verses where he confronts Ahab, I'll just sit there and reread it and read it and read it and read it again. I'll then sit there and say, Lord, help me to make this path real. Help me to understand what Elijah is doing. Help me with all of the things that I'm seeing throughout life, make it and apply it for me. I will tell you, you sit there and you read it over and over again. By the 10th, 20th time, you come back and say, wow, I never saw this before. Mm -hmm. Wow, look at that. And it just makes, even for me, a lot of times, Judges chapter six with Gideon, I sat there with the pastor 
uh, over at Mariner's Church in California. And I've been reading this passage for 20, uh, two years. And he points out something I never saw it before. That's the fun part of dissecting the passage. It is. And I think with these women, each of these women that I chose for the Bible study, I saw their familiar stories to me. I've always been drawn to the women of the Bible, but I was able um, to find treasures yeah. within each story from a perspective from that I haven't seen before. And um, I've been able to see um, these women in a new light because some of these women don't have great reputations yeah. or they, um, the way that I've been taught about who they are um, I was just able to see maybe through how Jesus interacts with them and how Jesus loves them and commends them for their faith that they're really examples for us um, mm -hmm. and um, how they respond to Jesus that was really inspiring to me Joyce, who surprised you in the midst of studying? Who stood out and says, oh, I never noticed that before. Or here's something interesting that I found out about this character. Yeah. Um, actually, I really, well, I love all of you. Mary of Bethany is someone that I used to judge because yeah. I feel like I identify more with Martha, her sister. And I thought, you know, she's not doing a whole lot. She's just sitting at Jesus's feet. Um, and I realized as I studied her, she appears three times in the gospel stories. Um, she's always at Jesus's feet. She's mm. sitting at his feet, kind of learning from him, which is um, something that women didn't do back then. They didn't sit at the feet of a rabbi um, yeah. to learn. And so she was quietly and subversively um, countering the social norms of the day. And, um, and, and Jesus, when Martha like complains to Jesus, why is it my sister helping me? Um, Jesus instead says, she's chosen what is better, like the one yeah. thing. And I'm like, what is this one thing? And I think that she really, um, knew the importance of just being with Jesus, um, finding her identity and her value and just being Jesus Jesus is beloved. And that's a lesson that God has been teaching me um, of how to just sit at his feet and find my value, not in what I'm doing or accomplishing and even doing for Jesus and serving Jesus, but just simply kind of being his beloved daughter. And then yeah. through the thread of the stories of, that she appears in, she continues to, to fall at his feet and lament when her brother dies. And then in the last encounter, she's like worshiping Jesus, like anointing his feet. And I just find that she really gets it. Um, she, her, everything flows out of this understanding of Jesus's love for her and then her outpouring of worship to him. Um, and that's, um, yeah, I've just loved, I want to be more like Mary after I've yeah. studied her. Now, what about the women of Romans? Uh, Romans, why them? What what struck you about them for you to spend some time looking at them? Yeah, well, I wanted to people to understand that women's roles from the very beginning, this is the early church when it first started, that they played pivotal roles in the Got early it. church. And, um, you know, Paul kind of gets a bad rap for a couple of passages um, in Timothy or Corinthians that are yeah. kind of taken sometimes with that, with you know, out of context. But when you look at how he partners with women um, in his ministry, 
you take, you just have to look at Romans 16 and that's actually the greeting section where it's this last session where he's like the last chapter, I should say, where he's greeting all of these um, people and he mentions them um, and how they have served in these different ways alongside him um, and even risked their lives for him and, and for the ministry. So I think it's really powerful to end with a look at, look, these women from the very beginning were leading house churches, they were teaching, they were, um, you know, Junia was yeah, is mentioned yeah. as outstanding among the apostles. Like there's just, there's just a lot of treasures and we often skip yeah. over those greetings yeah. that, uh, chapters, you know? So that's yeah. one why I wanted to take a deeper dive into yeah. this chapter of Romans. When people come into these small group sessions, eight to nine sessions, about 45 minutes, what do you want men to come out if they do this study, coming out with an understanding of what do you want female leaders to come out with an understanding of? Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you um, included both men as well. And it's not just a study correct, for correct. women. I think it's important for all of us to study um, the these women. Um, and I think that they, that, everyone studying it would come away with a sense of, you know, Jesus. Um, well, this, you see this in the old Testament as well. Um, but even more so in the new Testament fully, the partnership that, um, women play in, in the kingdom of God. Yeah. Um, um, actually I wanted to, this is not part of the study because it's focused on the new Testament. Um, but I found out recently in Genesis, going all the way back to creation, that when Eve was created out of Adam's side, the mm -hmm. Hebrew word for side is also used in the Old Testament to refer to the side of the temple. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily translate, like it's translated rib, but it's yeah. actually like the same word that is used for the the sacred temple, the side of the temple. And that just kind of shows, you know, like the sides hold up the temple and it's a real sense of like partnership that God created as, as partners, men and women together. Um, and you see this more fully realized, you know, in the, um, in the Pentecost and acts when the Holy spirit came down, um, it came down and um, empowered women as well to prophesy um, and women were counted in the number of converts um, in, in Acts, in the Pentecost, um, which is really interesting because in the Gospels, actually, when the feeding of the 5,000, they say the 5,000 men, they didn't count the women. But once the Holy Spirit came, they were counted in the numbers in the Pentecost yeah. with the number of believers. And I think there's a real realization of, look, like women are, have always it's always been got part of God's plan yeah. from the yeah. beginning for women to be part of um, his kingdom and play these really essential roles. And you see that in each of these women, yeah. uh, this Bible study, um, that they're playing these essential roles and really transformative for their communities yeah. as well. Joyce, let me ask you a quick question. As a female leader, I mean, you've done a lot, author and speaker and pastor and all that. Has it, I wouldn't say getting better, does it feel different now than compared to 10 years ago or five years ago as a woman leader? Do you find that the conversation has progressed where people are beginning to realize what it means to be partners? Or would you say, Tommy, 
maybe a little bit, but we still have a long way to go. I still think we have a ways to go, but I do see progress. Um, yeah. And I actually find, um, yeah, I, I, I find that there's a difference. In, I've lived in different parts of the country. Yeah. So I think it depends also kind of the, um, the cultural kind of, you know, in the South, for instance, I think, you know, there's more traditional roles between men and women just in society. Um, and so I think it depends on where you live. I think it depends on the kind of denomination and church culture you're in. Uh, but I do say, I think generally, I think there is um, an understanding that um, we want to, um, we want the gifts of women to be developed for the good, not for the good of the whole church, you know? So if gifts of women are not, are only used in women's ministry or children's ministry, the whole body of Christ is sort of missing out. You know, it's yeah. really um, a blessing to be able to um, use the gifts of the women um, in teaching and these different aspects for, for the good of the whole church. And I think as people experience that and see um, that yeah. what women are bringing is actually good for all of us, um, I think it's going to continue to progress. Yeah, yeah. Well, Joyce, I mean, even with Resource Global, a lot of times in my work with CFI, I, I meet female leaders in Indonesia, in Kuala Lumpur, in Hong Kong, in Nairobi. My life is so much better. Uh, just before this, I was just talking with Kira Lee Pascal over in South Africa. My life is so much better when I learn from each one of these because they show me a different perspective that yes. I've never thought about before. And yes. so a lot of times I got to put myself in a position to listen, to honor, to respect, and to really be able to see them as an equal partner in that discussion. Yeah, yeah. And what I'm so impressed, you you see this a lot more than me, Tommy, but kind of in a global um, perspective, that women are leading churches all over the world, like especially yeah. house churches and places where they can be persecuted and even be arrested and so forth. They're, um, they're, they're doing it, you know, they're they're um, inviting people into their homes to study the Bible and they're kind of on the front lines. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And, but in, yeah, at the same time, I still sit in conversations like I was in Europe not too long ago and there was a, a men who brought their spouses. And when they went around and shared about themselves and what they did, a couple number of women who were wonderful business executives literally just said, Hey, I am here to support my husband's vision. And a lot of times, whatever he says, I'm there to support. And part of me just says, no, no, I actually want to hear from you. What is it that you're doing? Because I just talked with you on the side before this thing. You're doing phenomenal things. What is it that you're doing? Because what you're doing it plays a key role in the discussion. Yeah. And I think having people like you, Tommy, um, just kind of affirm the gifts of women in the church. Because some of these women, like you said, are like leading their own companies, yeah, they're pioneers yeah, yeah. and entrepreneurs, they're, they're doing so much in the workplace, but then um, they kind of put on a different hat and switch roles when they enter the church. And I think it's because of the way that they have the expectations um, and kind of different norms in, inside the church. And we have to change that. And the way to do it is we have champion, we have male champions and allies yeah. who are like, we want to hear from you. No, your voice yeah. is important yeah. here in this yeah. sphere too. And so we just have to keep doing that to change um, people's mindsets. And it takes, um, you know, it, it takes over and over again, having people kind of um, 
elevate and support and give women opportunities to yeah. say, you, you have gifts that could be used here too. Yeah. All right. So these days, a lot of times we wrap up, I find that you're very entrepreneurial, right? But yet at the same time, you've been a broadcaster, you've been in law, you've been in the church city, setting. Do you like the entrepreneurial lifestyle where you're a speaker here, you're an author here, then you're going to go spend some time being a mom here, then you're going to speak at a conference here. Do you like that style? Or would you say, man, I'm still more focused on a organization. Here's my role. Here's what I'm doing. I I don't have it figured out, Tommy. I don't. I sometimes I feel like my life feels so disjointed because I have so many things going on. But in this season, it's working because it provides flexibility yeah. um, where I can kind of set my own projects um, and writing deadlines, or I can say I have the flexibility to say, yes, I have margin to speak now, or no, I really don't end this time because my family has certain needs. So I think it's working for me in yeah, this season. Yeah. And I think as women, we are sometimes, we have to be a little bit more adaptable, especially yeah. if we have um, family and so forth. But I think in the midst of it, I have to remind myself um, that God has good plans for each of us. Yeah. And he is in charge of um, orchestrating um, our path, you know, career-wise, vocationally, and all of that. And we just surrender and say, okay, yes, yeah. Lord, yeah. you know, yes to whatever, however you're leading me. And so I would not have projected this path for myself except to say, yes, Lord. And then he opens different doors um, yeah. in the right time. Joyce, I asked you this because more and more, it seems like a lot of times more People aren't working in just one organization as much anymore. They're working multiple roles, multiple hats. Like, for instance, I love the flexibility. My wife works a traditional job as a first grade teacher. So she has to be at oh, school at 715. Yes. She doesn't get up at three. So that means a lot of times I got to pick up the girls. I got to do all this stuff. I got to go grab the groceries. I got to cook dinner and all that other stuff. And I love that flexibility of doing different things and wearing different hats. Yes. I mean, there's definitely um, a lot of advantage to, to doing, to having more flexibility, especially in this season of my life. I think there's a part of me that would also love the focus of being able to be devoted to one thing and have yeah. um, the same colleagues that I'm interacting with just in terms of kind of um, a network, of, a social network. Um, but you know, you just have to do what is, um, right and works for you in the season that God has for you, you know? Um, but I'm thankful. I'm very, very grateful for the opportunities God has given me. Um, I think what I thought when I graduated from seminary is that I would serve in a church, you know, it would be like the one thing, like serve, serve as a minister, pastor in a church. Um, and then like, this has been, you know, a lot of different things, yeah. but God is yeah. using our different gifts, you yeah. know, and it is. Yeah. It is to serve his kingdom wherever he has us. We're interviewing with Joyce Ku Del Rimpo, author of Women of the New Testament, a Bible study on how followers of Jesus transcended culture and transform communities. Joyce, how do people follow you? Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn? Where, where can people yeah, follow you? I, Facebook, and, uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, I'm Joyce K. Dalrymple on Instagram. And then you can find me also by my name on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I'd love to um, keep in touch with people. And um, I'm actually coming out with another Bible study in the spring um, on the last week of Jesus. I think it'll be released in time 
for Easter, but it's similar in this format, again, through the Life yeah. Change series. Um, and we look, each each study is a different day of the week yeah. um, of Jesus's final week. Um, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to that coming out too. One side question, when you work on these Bible studies, how long does it take you to write a Bible study for a book like that? Does it take Well, months? I do it part-time because again, yeah. I have to be flexible with squeezing it into my life. But it, it, if I if I concentrate on it, um, I can do it in three months. And I, yeah. I, I have a stack, a huge stack of commentaries I read. Um, I go through um, different kinds of questions where I will kind of test them before I finalize them. But yeah, it takes about three months for me. And on Sino Joyce, I found that when I use chat GPT these days, one of the things I love is, hey, give me your interpretation of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 to 3 from an African point of view. From a Asian point of view, Southeast oh, yeah. Asian. Wow. It helps me to see what they're thinking from Africa, Southeast Asia, to say, why did you think that way? Or from a Jewish perspective. That is so interesting, Tommy. I'm going to have to try that. I never thought of trying to do that. But yeah. it would be a great experiment to kind of yes. explore how they're different, how they're similar yes. and different, you know? So that's great. So idea. even on my chat GPT, I have different verses that I'm studying and then it's a whole thread and it just builds on it. I'm looking from an African point of view, from a Kenyan point of view, from a Southeast Asian point of view, just so what are cultures look at? How do they see things that I didn't see? That's amazing. Yeah, that's the wave of the future. You're pioneering, <laughs> Tommy. <laughs> Joyce, thank you so much for oh. making time on so good. So good to talk with you, Tommy. Thanks for having me.